Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today we'll be continuing our series, Transforming. We hope you enjoy. Today, we're going to have some fun. Uh, And I want to begin by telling you the story. Some of you have heard this uh, story in a very various iterations, but I happen to read this again by uh, a, a sister out of Notre Dame, Carol Perry, in her book, and, and she spells it out this way, that an archaeologist was traveling through the Andes uh, to find this uh, archaeology site, and he has these, these ancient Incas that, uh, that have come down now, modern-day Incas that are uh, descendants of the Incas, and they're carrying these heavy loads for the archaeologist and his team. And they're moving quicker day after day because they want to get to the site. And finally, the next morning, the archaeologist wakes up to find uh, the, the aboriginal native people all just sitting there uh, resting. And he says, come on, we need to go. And they say, we can't go. And he uses a translator to find out why we can't go. And he finds out. Their answer is because we have to wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. And he asks, so how long does that take? (laughs) And why do souls travel more slowly than your bodies? And that's what we want to talk about today. Well, fortunately, they, they... The next day, they were ready to go, and their souls had caught up, and they traveled on. Uh, You and I live in the fastest-paced world that has ever existed on this planet. I mean, we are frustrated when we have an hour delay from New York to San Diego, and it takes six and a half hours instead of five and a half hours. Hello? We are frustrated when I can't connect to the Internet. We are frustrated when, when somehow I lose you on the phone. And I said, sorry, I dropped the call. How frustrating. We're frustrated when we call somewhere and we get an answer machine. And they tell us over and over through the recording how important we are to them. <laughs> and we know the reason we're receiving the recording is because they're making money, and they've fired some operators so that the recording uh, could come on instead. So we're we're just this uptight people that's just faster, more, 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 more. And then we invent social media. We say, you know, we have too much time. So let's invent social media. So wow, did I raise your stress level? I could go on and on and on. We're a paperless society. I have more paper than ever (laughs) from all the people that I signed on to get no more paper from. (laughs) So we want to learn in this day and age how to let our souls breathe. Because if your soul is not breathing, uh, we're not shining Jesus. We're not experiencing the Jesus that we signed up for. There's no time. And our souls can only move so fast. And so what we're going to do in your handout, uh, I want to forewarn you because I happened to be with this message last night. We're only going to get halfway through it. (laughs) And isn't that ironic? I tried to go faster, but uh, uh, we couldn't. So where I want to begin is to tell you that This whole message and next week is all about an invitation for you to be with Jesus. Can you imagine if you got a a card in the mail and just said, in the snail mail, and it said, hi, this is Jesus. I want to spend some time with you. Wow. Would you do it? Well, this is an invitation for you to spend time with Jesus. So we begin in John chapter 1, the verses on the screen, one of my favorite verses, which reads like this. 
They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and you will see. This is the verse I want to launch on because it really sets the stage. The stage is this. Two disciples who have been the disciples of John the Baptist, pretty big guy, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist one day points to Jesus and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they realize, oh my gosh, you mean that guy is the closing act? You're just the opener? And they say goodbye to John, and they go over to Jesus, and they say, how do you come up to a complete stranger that you think might be the Messiah? How do you start the conversation? So they start the conversation saying, where are you staying? Kind of a casual way to begin. But Jesus picks up on the word staying. In the book of John, it's the word abide, menane. And if you've read the book of John, you know that's a technical term for making your home. And so Jesus probably, with a twinkle in his eye, turns to the two disciples and says, come and you will see. You will see where I live, where I abide. And that takes them for the next three years where they see Jesus in every situation imaginable. Much more of an advantage than you because they get to see Jesus not only debate the Pharisees, they get to see Jesus not only preach the Sermon on the Mount, they get to see Jesus not only walk on water, raise the dead, multiply the bread, uh, heal all kinds of people, but they also get to see Jesus pray before a meal. They get to see Jesus eat the meal. They get to see Jesus relax. We get to see him sleep once in the back of a boat, but he slept every night, did you know? They get to see Jesus get up early in the morning and pray. They get to see this lifestyle that is all, th- all throughout the pages of the New Testament assumed, but you and I don't get to see a lot of that. So when you and I sign up to follow Jesus, and, we, and a preacher says, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want your sins forgiven? You raise your hand, you check the box, and then you just kind of don't know what to do till you get to heaven. But there's a pace and a, there's a way to live that, that, that strengthens our souls, that protects our souls, that guides our souls so that we can live really, really well, even in a contrary world like this. So let's begin with this adventure. Come and you will see. So what are the spiritual disciplines? Here's my definition. They are the various and intentional ways. I'm going to be strong on this. If if you want to slow down your soul and live a different way, it's only going to be through intention. It's not going to be because the world wakes up tomorrow and says, hey, you have the day off. You're going to have to go back into your schedule with a knife and start carving into your schedule what you really want because it's not going to just happen. So it's various and intentional ways that we regularly or seasonally come to meet with our gracious Lord. For the purpose of just being with God, there's one. That's one reason. That's good enough. Just being with him. For the purpose of listening to him and praying, for the purpose of being strengthened and changed, for the purpose of changing the world in prayer and emerging to obey him in love. A few weeks ago, we studied at the beginning of Romans 12 the idea of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Do you remember? And how strange it is to hear the Bible say, offer your bodies, it just sounds so crass, as opposed to offering your souls or your spirits or your, or your heart. Uh, but 
this is a, another case in point where we need to offer the physicality of us in time and space. Because if you merge from here today and say, well, God, you know you have my heart. I can tell you that's not going to work very long with, with your wife. If, if, if you never spend any time with your wife and you say, well, honey, we don't need to spend time together. You know you have my heart. She might just say, well, I want your time. I want your body. I want the physicality. I want a dinner. I want you. I don't just want your ethereal heart. And oftentimes we do the same thing with God. So he, he, he wants us, and as we spend physical, real time in a real space, real conversations, then we emerge, I think, as real light and real salt to this world with the friends that we're around. So let me give you some false understandings about the spiritual disciplines before I begin to name a few. I think the false understandings that I have encountered are, first of all, that somehow they achieve something for you, that uh, it, it, it achieves maybe some merit with God, and God is somehow more impressed with you because you pray or you're fast or uh, you sit in silence before him. Or we use it in error the way Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. We use it to impress other people. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he tackles three spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, and giving. And he says, when, when you pray, so he's expecting the spiritual disciplines. When you pray, that you will pray. When you fast, you will fast. When you give, you will give. But he says, don't do it in front of people because then you have your reward in toto. <laughs> I many, many times have people come up to me and they, they, they're so amazed with themselves that they're actually praying now. And they're so amazed with themselves that they actually give or they're so amazed that they actually fast. And, and, and I'm like the chief of the tribe. And so they come up to me and say, well, you know, Pastor, when I, was, uh, when I was away this last week, I took a moment to fast for five days. And you know what God showed me? And, um, you know, it's this real serious moment. But I have this side conversation going on in my mind. And I said, dude, you just got your reward. You just spent it. <laughs> why did, why did, I didn't need to know you fasted. Why did you need to tell me? Or if someone wants to give and they give, they see the offering plate go by and they write this big fat check and it's fatter than usual. You know, and all these other people, they just wrote small checks, but I wrote a big fat check. I think I'll go out and meet the pastor in the courtyard and say, hey, where should I put this? I said, oh, you just got your reward. Happy birthday, you know. I'm amazed. I'm impressed, but I'm nobody. Save it for heaven. Save it for God, for God to give you the big uh, stamp of approval. So that's not the purpose of those things, and they're not self-fulfillment techniques. This is maybe the hardest one in America because America is filled with self-fulfillment. Everything is... Does it make you happy? Everything is, do you feel better, little buddy? So I go to church. I said, wow, I went to church for three weeks. I don't feel any better. Didn't work. I'm not doing it anymore. I prayed. I didn't see the prayers answer. I'm not praying anymore. That's all self-fulfillment of, did it make you happy? It will, in the long term, make you happy, but that's part of the problem. As long as we're focused on ourselves, we're not going to be as happy as God has called us to be. So the, the spiritual disciplines are not for these purposes at all. The true and practical, I think, understanding of the disciplines that we'll get to, into is one 
my word is they position you in a place. It just puts you there. Whether you're praying, whether you're alone with God, whether you're giving thanks, whether you're meditating, yeah, he, he may speak or he may not speak, but you're there. You're at the bus stop. And if God happens to come by and actually speak to you, wow, you're postured. But on the other hand, there are things happening in the spiritual realm always that you and I may not see. The second thing is they protect you and they strengthen you. How is that? Well, there's all kinds of things that are vying for your soul as you go through the world. Uh, if you've read John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you probably would remember Vanity Fair, where uh, all of these things are, are reaching out to grab a hold of your soul, saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. And they're like tentacles of an octopus that are reaching out uh, to distract you and take away your attention and your energy. Some of you might have been through the uh, old market in Cairo at some point, and that's what I think about. It is very, very intense. You walk through there, you better, you better not even have your wallet, number one, and do not make eye contact with any shop at all. Just walk like this. And even so, you will have seven to eight people coming up this close saying, pick me, buy me, pick me. And you're trying to be a gracious American saying, ha, you know, and if you dare to, to turn and see what that is, you're swamped with people. Well, our world is that way. With the media, social media, uh, commercials, products, pick me, pick me, pick me. And, and then there's the dark side, the things that are maybe your Achilles heel that want a part of your soul. Uh, so how do we strengthen ourselves? We strengthen ourselves by filling up the sponge. We're porous people. We're porous in nature, so we're, we're vulnerable. We want things to fill us. That's how God made us. So when we spend time, we're actually filling ourselves with, with him. And it strengthens us and it protects us. And then thirdly, it gives me a perspective. I, it gives me the mind of Christ to now view the world through Christ's eyes. Not perfectly, but better than I used to. And, and the, the biases, uh, the prejudices, uh, the, the false ways that I used to view the world, I won't view it as much because of Christ. And the big thing is it allows me to be with Jesus. This may surprise you, maybe not, but I charge my phone every night. I always remember, because I don't like to get in the car the next morning and see 11% and think, oh, where's the charger in the car? And hopefully it'll charge a little bit over the next six miles I drive to work. So I charge it every, why not your soul? I also fill up my car with gas. Just did it yesterday afternoon. I saw I had seven miles range left. <laughs> and I thought, might be time. <laughs> Why not your soul? But we're different. And, and I, I don't mean to pick on people, but a lot of us are very, very go with the flow. And if it works out, if I feel like if it, if it, if it, God wakes me up and taps me on the shoulder and says, hello, Mark, then I might spend time with you. But I'm an important person. I've got places to go, people to... Do you know how important I am? I know you're very important. But this is g -g -g God. And this is eternity. This is the person. This is who you really are. So we didn't just sign up to go to heaven 
Guess who's in heaven? Jesus. <laughs> what did you think you got? Well, I got gold, streets of gold. Well, I got a mansion. I got a mansion, you know. It's Jesus. You, and you actually get to have time with him here in the, in the present. And then finally, by way of introduction, let me just say, uh, it's all grace. This is not a, a whip to say if you really are a great Christian or if you're really something. It's all grace. It's undeserved love. That's why Christ has come to us. And anything we do is the grace of God. And all that we respond to is the grace of God. So while we're talking about transformation, what we're talking about today is this transforming friendship. In John 14, 23, Jesus in the upper room says to the disciples, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. That is, now the enmity is gone. Jesus paid it. Uh, my father's going to come to you. We will come to them and make our home with them. Wow. God the Father and God the Son via God the Holy Spirit is now living inside of you. What the what? I mean, folks, there is no religion on the planet that offers this. Uh, yeah, there's some people that say... Um, if you, if you buy into our religion, you'll discover you always were God. And that's always a hard one because most of us are saying, I know I'm really not. <laughs> I know I'm really not. I know I'm really not. But maybe I'll be absorbed into the oneness of the universe one day and I'll discover, voila, you really were God all the time. But I think the self-doubt inside is just saying, no, 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 no. Um, there is a God, and I think that position is filled, but I'd really like to know him. Well, we believe that he, you not only know God, but he climbs inside of you. And he says, let's hang. Let's talk. Let's be together. Let's change the world. So that's this big, big invitation. And by the way, if you're here today, your first time, let me just say that my invitation to you is start the journey. Accept Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Believe that he died for your sins. And the journey begins with this great friend who happens to be God. So let me, this morning, give you some daily and weekly disciplines that I would encourage you to incorporate into your life. You still there? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Buckle up your seatbelt. Luke 5.16 gives us a glimpse into Jesus' life. But Jesus often, 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 and you know what often means in the Greek, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Four words I love there. Jesus prayed. If there was anyone on the planet that didn't need to pray, yeah, I mean, if there's anyone that says, come on, Father, I'm the Son of God, for heaven's sakes. He prayed. Number one, he went to a lonely place. He got away from the distractions. And I know that there's, there's it's tough to find lonely places anymore right? And sometimes it's the water closet. Now, hopefully there's no one else in there with you. <laughs> but we can get somewhere to be alone. And he withdrew. He knew where the temptations were of distractions. Obviously, the disciples, they're going to yada, yada, yada. We got to do this. What about that? So he withdrew. But I also withdraw from social media. I also withdraw from all the emails that just came in overnight. What were they all doing? They were just up all night sending emails, and you wake up and think, 19 more. 
How does this happen? All the texts, everything, just give it a rest. Go away. If you can only do 10 minutes, it's, if, but you'll find out that quickly the 10 minutes is a little brief. But start there. And he did it often. It means regularly. This was his lifestyle. Mark 135 gives us another glimpse into his life. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Wow. G.K. Chesterton, I've given you this quote before, but he says, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as often people say to me, well, I tried church or I tried this. He says, it has been found difficult and left untried. You know, Bonhoeffer wrote The Cost of Discipleship. Have you ever thought of the cost of no discipleship? The cost of no discipline in your life? What is that cost? What are we missing? And most of us understand with athletics, got to work out. Finances, got a budget. Diet, snap your fingers and the weight goes away, right? No, got to restrict yourself on a few things. Everything has a cost. And so these are the disciplines that I think are necessary, and I would advise all of us that are in Scripture to help jumpstart our souls every day or weekly, depending on what, this, what each discipline is. So first of all, give thanks and worship. Those of you that know me, every morning I start out with thanksgiving because I am an analytical, critical thinker. And I can tell you everything that's wrong in me, everything that's wrong around me, and everything that's wrong in the world. And I've discovered when I approach the world that way, it loops back around and kicks me in the butt. A critical person becomes more critical. A depressed person that says, have you ever thought I just enjoy being depressed? You'll be more depressed tomorrow if you allow yourself to just linger there. So what do you do? I start my day with Thanksgiving. And I, now I start out, first of all, wow, thank you, God, I woke up. I didn't know I would. This is wonderful. Go downstairs, thank you, God, for coffee. <laughs> French press my coffee. Thank you for this alone time. I'm all alone in the world, and nobody knows I'm awake. Thank you, God. Thank you for the silence. I begin to hear the birds. Oh, thank you for birds. Daylight, thank you for daylight. My wife wakes up, thank you that I still have a wife. Thank you, God. And you just begin to think, wow, this is a pretty good day. We're off to a great start. The second thing is worship. We just worshiped here today, and I know a lot of us have opinions about worship. It used to be 40 years ago, I mean, if there was someone standing up here with a ukulele, we just would say, that is awesome, singing songs with a ukulele. Now we're a very sophisticated Christian audience. And you say, you know, I really don't like that. I, I like that singer better than that singer. And I like it when they do this and not that. And that's the song that I don't like. I think, I think I'll just sit this song out because this is not my song. And, and <laughs> what we're doing is we're missing out because worship was not about you. I was complaining at my baccalaureate uh, from grad school that, that we had this uh, string quartet that was doing these songs. And I just, I had this conversation with God. I said, this is supposed to be a baccalaureate. I can't even worship. I don't even know these songs. And I was doing 
Not you've never done it, but I was doing it. And I felt the voice of the Spirit say to me, I'm here. And I just shut my eyes and I just said, I don't know this song, but I'm, I'm going to just let this be a moment where I'm aligning my soul with you. And that's what worship does. It, it reboots you. It resets you uh, to the default and just says, oh, yeah, it's God. He's the sun, and I'm only the moon going around the earth that goes around the sun. It reboots you to your true orbit of why you were made, and worship does that, and you can do that. I sometimes just roll up the windows, and I just sing, and I know the cars going by think that I am out of my mind, just roll, you know, and then, uh, or other times, I, I feel like I should not sing, and I'm just going to listen to some other people that are worshiping. There's so many things available, uh, you know, Spotify, and just do it all, you know, and, and, but when we gather together here, we're aligning our souls. So thanksgiving and worship, I think, are key in our lives. There were two ladies, I've told this story 15 years ago. I keep track of my illustrations. Um, so <laughs> hopefully some of those people have moved on and, and you're new, but uh, some of you will remember this story. Uh, these two ladies driving out to the desert uh, and, and they go over the mountain to get to Palm Desert. And as they're going over the mountain, uh, one of the ladies says, you know, this is April. I didn't realize it would be so bleak and, and so dry. You know, it's just, just a few cactus plants and, and look at all that barren sand and look how hot it is. But the other lady in the car said, yeah, but look at those octeo blooms that are coming out. And yeah, but look at those little flowers that are, and, it, and they were on the same drive. So you get to choose what you're gonna be focused on, the flowers or the barren sand of life. Secondly, reading and studying scripture. Oh my gosh, you guys have a map you have a map to get to where you want to get to. It's called the Bible. But we would be arrogant to say, well, I've already read it, or I don't relate to that, or I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go on my own. Suit yourself. So you just meander, and you just drive around. What, what I do now is I just Google map everything every day. I, I got to go six miles. And I've got to go on the five. This could be problem. Is there any other way to get there, you know? Uh, and, and let the map figure it out for me. Why not? So the Bible every day kind of maps out where I need to go. And you can do it many different ways. We have a three-year reading that we encourage you to be a part of. It's right there on a website. You can download it. You get bookmarks. You, you know, everything just says, hello, Bible. Um, and so that's a great thing. Um, another thing you can do is Jan and I do this every day. We read a psalm together. We find that it, it reboots our soul, but it also ties us together as a couple as, as we're reading the same passage of scripture. And I know that there's some Psalms that are really hard to start your day with. Like, God, do I not hate those people? I, I, you know, those people that are so sinful, would you just kick their teeth in? And, you know, and you're just like, whoa. You know, so I just skip over those Psalms. <laughs> or I apply them to the devil. If I'm just not liking the devil that day, just kick the devil's teeth in. Uh, but, but the ones that, that bring me to focus on God and what he's doing, I love to read those psalms together and to just study God's word. I think with the pace of life you and I live, it's hard to have an in-depth Bible study every day, right? So I would encourage you maybe once a week, uh, take some extra time to just say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just do the 
the quickie Bible bless me club, but I'm going to spend some time soaking in this passage of Scripture. And then I, I would suggest to you praying scriptural prayers. And I've given you some in your notes. These, these are fun. You're going to find out that these actually bless you. They're easy to memorize. And I, there's, there's a ton in scripture, but I've only given you four here. One is the Lord's Prayer. I almost probably five days a week use this one. It's a great outline for your prayer life. Praise you, God. Have your will in my life. Provide, forgive, and protect. What a great prayer. There's another prayer that I like, Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11. It's, it's all about me abounding with love more and more. I shared it last week. Smart love and true wisdom. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 is just amazing. Uh, uh, and where he's play, praying that we might abound fully in love, to know the riches of God. And then finally, uh, the ironic blessing in Numbers chapter 6 is just phenomenal. The Lord bless you, keep you, lift up his face, shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give, give you peace. To pray that. And who do you pray it for? I would, this is going to challenge you, because a lot of you have been drifting. You've just been coasting on somebody else's blessing. But what if every day you prayed for those that are close to you? C.S. Lewis said it this way, we all have to pray our prayers. What is praying your prayers? To become the watchman on the wall for your family, for your friends, for your sphere of influence. When you put up the umbrella, how big is your umbrella? And you pray for those people every day. Oh, my God. You watch what begins to happen. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Prayer reaches into heaven and touches heaven. And it begins to drip on your family, your friends. So I pray for... uh, My wife, I pray for my kids. I pray for my grandkids. I pray uh, for my my dad and Jan's dad, and that's that's our family. But then I also pray for our staff and each staff member's family. And then I also pray for you. I don't mention each one by name. (laughs) But you know the people that say, you know, unless you're specific, God doesn't answer. Uh, I just think that is completely bogus. You know, uh, I get the idea of trying to be specific, but all of the prayers I mentioned from Scripture are not specific. They're general. And I have to believe that God is, is a big God that understands. When I pray for all of the people that call North Coast Calvary home, that you and I pray through the Lord's Prayer... I believe God answers that prayer. And if we backtrack when we get to heaven, we'll find out that I'm right. Because <laughs> we'll say, oh, you mean all of these blessings happened because we were all praying? Yeah, yeah. So it reaches into heaven and touches the canvas of heaven, and the honey of heaven begins to drip into our life. When I was a kid camping, my dad loved to camp, and so every two-week vacation he got, we would go camping somewhere in the United States or Canada. And it sounds wonderful, we actually didn't like it. (laughs) Because my dad liked to put up the tent, blow up the, the the sleeping air mattresses, and roll out the sleeping bags, cook, and then in the morning, we got to move on. We're moving. We got to schedule the keep coming, and we had to pull it all back down again, pack the car again, and then move, do it again, again. So we finally get to Banff, Canada, which is gorgeous. Never been there. You need to go. And um, but it was raining every night. It was cold, rainy, even though it was June. And uh, we discovered with canvas tents, which I don't know what they're made of anymore. 
um, you cannot touch the inside of a canvas tent because the water begins to drip through wherever you touch the inside of the tent. But you know, we're seven, nine, and five, and what are the chances that in a 10 by 10 tent that someone's gonna touch the tent? So my dad, uh, being a civil engineer that he was, very right-angled person, sat us down and says, okay, I will tolerate anything, but I will not tolerate you touching the tent. So we go into the tent to change. We, we go into the tent to get this, to get that. And the tent doesn't go straight up like that. The tent goes like this. And so the chances, so my dad in the beginning would you know, say, please don't touch the tent. Your, your shoulder is touching the tent. Please don't touch the tent. But after five days of rain, my dad had completely lost it. Don't touch the tent! You're touching the tent! And, and that's all I remember of Banff, Canada. Well, that's a negative illustration of something positive. When you pray, you touch the tent. The rain of heaven comes down. God hears you. God cares. And you are the person that's reaching up and affecting this world and those that you love. The next is the discipline of meeting with other believers. Small groups, prayer meetings, and yes, church. This is so important. And again, we're not... Uh, self-fulfillment people so that we don't emerge from here. We don't drive home to say, well, what do you think? Was that a good sermon or not? Should we go next week? I don't know. Did it? Uh, you know, every week is like a brick of a cathedral. You don't measure the bricks. You, you, you measure the cathedral. And you come week after week. You meet with other believers week after week after week. If you're in a monthly meeting with other believers, month after month, and the cathedral is gradually being built because there is no Han Solo when it comes to Christianity. The we is bigger than the me. And that's how things are changed. And so we meet with other believers and we worship together, we study together, we pray together, we have communion together. I told you the story of running into a friend uh, out surfing, and I hadn't seen him in church for a few years, and, uh, and, and I said hello, and we were talking. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to be the Gestapo, you know, and so I usually don't when I'm with someone saying, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in church in a while. What's up with that? Been making a list, checking it twice to see if you've been naughty or nice. So I, I don't bring it up. He brings it up. He says, so you probably wonder where I've been. I didn't say anything, looked over him, and he says, you know what, Mark, this is my church. I just realized creation is my church. And, you know, I just, I, I can't relate to people. I'm, I like to be alone, and I just paddle out, and this is, this is my church. And I said, cool. And I could expect that he was expecting me to say something, and I couldn't help it. There's a side of me, a sense of humor. And so I just simply said, well, it must be nice to be your own pope. He said, what's that supposed to mean? I said, no, 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 I just mean you're your own authority. And you are the, the supreme potentate of your religious system, and you decided that you don't need anybody else, and therefore, I don't, I don't know what you call yourself in your religious, pope or whatever it is, you know, that's all I'm saying, that you're deciding the shots. And I said, for me, I have authority that's above me. The Bible, other people, and those would tell me I should not be alone. The lions pick off 
the loners. The weak and the loners. And I need to be with other people. And then I said, how was your last wave? He says, good. And so the point is well taken. We Americans, we are fiercely Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, Han Solo. I did it my way. I mean, that is America. But we need each other. And we do this together. It's a discipline. And for this morning, the final one I'll touch on is silence, waiting on God. This is perhaps the most difficult um, because it is not a silent world. And some of you have never been silent ever. You've never been in a house that didn't have a TV going. You know, sometimes I'll visit people in their home and the TV, there's nobody in the room and the TV is just blaring because it's just always been there. It's like the sixth member of the family. But if you would get alone, and I wouldn't do it long at first because you might go crazy, but uh, maybe just do it for two minutes, then three minutes. And what I usually do is say, okay, God, I've been, I've been talking away a lot here, and it's, and it's your turn. If you have anything to say, I'm going to just wait in silence to see if you have anything to say. Some people call it listening prayer. And I would say maybe one out of 10 times, God impresses something on my heart. Some days I'm like on a roll. (laughs) And it just seems like it goes three days in a row and then nothing for a while. Well, for heaven's sakes, it's God. If God spoke something once in a hundred, once in a thousand times, it's God. That would be amazing. But regardless of whether he speaks to me, and by the way, it's not audible. It's just a little impression that comes uh, to my mind. But even when he doesn't speak, there's something that enriches my soul in the silence where I realize, oh my gosh, I'm bigger. I'm bigger than this schedule. I'm bigger through Jesus than all of these demands that I'm a child of God. I'm being made in the image of God. And the reason I'm bigger is because he's bigger and everything is put in perspective. Those are great disciplines that you can just, I would experiment. If you've never done this before, just take 12 minutes tomorrow morning. Look through this list and just say, okay, I'm going to use these to jumpstart my soul. You will be amazed. And you're free to email me if you're amazed. (laughs) Truly, uh, you know, money back guarantee. Folks, the bottom line is we were not created to be barnyard clucking hens, picking at little worms on the ground. And that's what our society tries to make us. You were created to soar like eagles. And it's only when we begin to practice these disciplines that our soul begins to protect, be protected, and we become the people that we really are. In college, uh, Jan and I decided we needed to earn some extra money, and um, so we took a job washing toilets, and she did the girls' dorm, and I did the guys' dorm, just one building. I think it had three floors on it, so, um, and we had kind of uh, uh, persnickety, I guess that's a safe word, um, a persnickety boss that said that, you know, I want you to clean these toilets and polish them for the glory of God. And I thought, that's weird. <laughs> he said, I want to come, become, come into any restroom randomly, lay on my back, and see my reflection on the bottom of the bowl. So, I mean, we were making some big money. I think it was buck 65 an hour, you know. And uh, so 
she, she would go get her bucket full of, uh, you know, things that are destroying the world in my bucket with, <laughs> with soaps that are destroying the world. And we'd, we called it milking the cows and we would go down uh, to the dormitory. And, uh, but I was using the time that I normally spent with Jesus now milking the cows. And I thought, well, you know, I can, it's brainless. I can pray while I'm doing the toilets, and that way I'm making money while I spend time with Jesus. Aren't I dark soul, you know, just... And I, I found that I was getting farther and farther away from him, but I'm making money right now, and... and uh, and so I prayed to God about it. And this is what came back to me. You can tell me whether it was God or just me. But this is what came to me. Mark, it's hard to walk in the Spirit when you've not knelt in the Spirit. And we, especially we charismatics, love to just say, oh, I'm just, oh, you pray? Well, I just pray all the time. I'm just always praying, you know. And, and I just think that's a cop-out. If you said that to you, well, I don't need to go to dinner with you. I always love you. I don't need to talk to you. I just always love you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying your vows to each other and saying, uh, and, and you stop the minister and say, excuse me, but yeah, I promise to do this, 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 but do I have to eat dinner with her? No. The vow will work even if you never eat dinner. Do I have to talk to her? No, you actually get married. The vows will take, but you never have to talk to each other ever again, and you will be married. Now, can you imagine a Christian saying that? Do I get to go to heaven, and I never have to talk to Jesus anymore, right? Yep, you get to go to heaven, but you don't have to spend. That's just crazy. So my friends, this is an invitation for you to spend time with the God who loves you so much. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.